Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Well, welcome in. It's week 15. The Texans are back on the road again. They travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars who have had Quite a tumultuous week. I'll talk to J.P. Shadrick about the Jaguars' current state of events. Um, And then also we get a player like we always do for the Deep Slant podcast. And everything has moved to virtual as of Friday. But uh, this was probably my last in-person interview well, until things change right now, it's enhanced COVID protocols um, as uh, the league is trying to cut down on the number of positives. And the Texans had a few this week, um, nothing like what some of the other teams across the NFL are facing, like the Cleveland Browns or the Los Angeles Rams. So very grateful to get to do um, an interview in person. Might be my last one, but that's not going to stop the podcast because we'll still get players via Zoom and we'll still get to go out and watch them practice. So um, as far as that, the really the big change is really going to be just press conferences via Zoom and interviews via Zoom. So it was good while it lasted getting to do in-person interviews. Uh, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to stay safe. So this week I had a chance to catch up with Justin Britt, and he was fantastic. He just played his former team, the Seattle Seahawks. So we talked about his season so far, and uh, he's got a really – he's got a couple of really cool um, stories and nuggets that he gets into, like – the time that he was a radio DJ when he played for Seattle. And then he also describes the O-line position group room and what it looks like. And, I mean, I had heard stories that it was well decorated by the rookies. The rookies are supposed to decorate all the position group rooms. And I had heard the O-line room was among the best. So uh, maybe if we can find a picture somewhere, we, we've got to find it. we got to get someone to take a picture and post it because I've got a picture in my head and I'm sure it just does not do it justice. Uh, but that's all coming up with my one-on-one with Justin Britt. But first, Texans fans, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston so you can do more of what you love Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? All right, let's get right into it. Justin Britt, I actually, we had a chance to talk to him on the Texans Player Show presented by Fuddruckers early in the season, and I knew I wanted to get him for a deep slant because he is just, he's just great with the media. He's just very insightful, and then he was on IR, so he missed some games there in the middle of the season, and then he came back, so I had a chance to sit down with him one-on-one and sort of talk about the season he's had so far and and coming back from injury. Um, This is really year seven for him because he did not play in 2020. He was rehabbing from the knee injury. So uh, this year he missed a few games while on IR, but he's back. He's healthy. Um, He has really adjusted to a lot on the O-line. The guards around him have changed since he was starting in week one. And, you know, he is just a a force there on the O-line. So he's got a great veteran presence, got a great leader. I think anytime you ask the coaches or other players about Justin Britt, they are very, very effusive in their praise. And he did not disappoint on this one-on-one. And we got into some holiday stuff, some fun stuff, uh, after we covered some of the football questions. So you're definitely not going to miss that. But let's get right into it. It's Justin Britt on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. First of all, Justin, welcome back. We missed you you for a few games there on IR. How does it feel to be back and playing again? Um, It's what I want to do. I didn't want to do the IR. I saw this year going kind of different with my health, but uh, I'm back to doing what I do. Um, I'm feeling great, so excited. And just a few games back, and you get to face your former team, which there's a lot of players that they have to wait years before they face a team that they played with for as long as you did. 
was it kind of nice to get that out of the way? What was it like to face your former team? And, and I saw you afterwards, just all the guys coming up and talking to you after the game. Yeah, um, I thought it was really cool. Um, it was a fun week prepping for them, um, kind of knowing who they are and, and what they do. You know, I practiced against them my whole career. So to be able to, to kind of play against them was cool because, I mean, you know, game and practice is a whole different world. So they fly around, they compete. Um, I felt like we did the same. And, you know, I thought I thought we had them till late. So it was it was a fun game. And I feel like uh, a weight kind of been lifted off me. And, Just getting uh, it out of the way yeah, early. kind of revenge or whatever you want to call it. I didn't really view it that way, but I did want to play them. I, I like that you said your approach was the same. That you, you, you woke up the same time on game day. You did everything the same during the week. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to get into a bar fight with them, but it didn't really change your mood. Is that sort of how you are in real life? You're just even keel? Because it seems like when you're on the field, you're a different a different person. You're obviously the football player in you yeah. comes out. Um, I think so. I feel like uh, for the most part, I'm pretty stress-free through life. You know, I, I feel like I'm a strong emotional person. And so um, on game day, I kind of act emotionally in some regard but i feel like i play better when i'm calm when i'm poised and so i try to just stay in that world that realm and try not to overdo or overthink things just keep everything and that's kind of the way i was kind of raised by pete carolyn and the seahawks is every week is the same week approach it the same week a championship mindset because if you treat every game that way where it's a, a championship game week one to week 18 now then by the time you get in the playoffs and, you know, these crucial moments, your mind is already prepared for it. It's it's practice being in that moment because you approach every game that way. It's, that makes sense because you've had a lot of changes around you, even on this O-line throughout the year. The guards have changed. The O-line's changed so much. How much has that approach helped you with just all the changes around you? Do you change how you play center based on who's next to you, or are you pretty much the same no matter who's around you? Um, mostly the same, but uh, some ins and outs, how they fit blocks. Um, everyone's different, and so I feel like Coach Campen and, and Kugler, you know, the O-line coaches, have done a really good job since OTAs, you know, mixing up the, the lineup and forcing us to work with each other and, and just kind of gelling because we know in the NFL, especially up front, you know, things can happen. Um, he likes to say, Camp likes to say, someone has a shoelace problem. Someone else has to go in. So you got to be ready to adapt and, you know, work together and adjust accordingly. Oh, how did you have you adapted with a rookie and, and Davis Mills? I asked him the other day. He said that the quarterbacks and the centers, they meet throughout the week, and yeah. that's sort of what helps the chemistry, and, and you guys sort of develop that communication. But how's that been for you so far throughout the course of the year? Um, it's been no problem. Whether it's been Tyrod or Davis, uh, the preparation's been the same, and the trust has to be there because without that, you kind of have nothing. So. Um, you just recognize that Davis has been here. He's been brought here for a reason, for his abilities, and kind of just trust that and make sure that I do my job and I'm not really worrying about his job. We're just trying to work together. All right. Speaking of rookies, I had Farrell Brown on the player show a few weeks ago, which you've done. I actually heard Mark. that while I was driving. You did. You were listening to the Texans player show. I, I started my car, and that's what <laughs> I was listening. I was like, I know that voice. <laughs> did Farrell. you hear what he said about your O-line room? No, I must have missed that one. Okay, so he was telling us about how all the rookies have to decorate their position group rooms. Mm. And he was very, very envious of the job that the O-line. I, I guess who it must be Jimmy Morrissey. Is Jimmy is, Morrissey and Carson there, Green. And Carson Green, okay. The job that they did decorating your O-line room. He said that Brevin Jordan really 
It wasn't. It wasn't a great decorating job by him. So in Brev's defense, he is the only rookie in that room. We do have two. He is a draft pick, though, so I heard that that also elevates the expectation a little bit. Uh, your pockets are a little bigger. Okay. But I feel like we we spend so much time in our position room throughout the year that we wanted to um, be festive and and we want it to be enjoyable to be there. And so yeah, we got lights. We got uh, what is that? Garland. Um, we got a. <laughs> We got a frosty, and then uh, they <laughs> called it a dasher, kind of blow up the inflatables. In the position room? Yeah, yeah. Is it a big position it, room? It is not a big blow up. It's uh, probably the smaller size. Okay. But um, we're big people, so we do need it. Right. I mean, I imagine there's not a lot of space. Yeah, he, he did mention snowmen and, and, and inflatables in the room, and I thought he was exaggerating, but it sounds like uh, Jimmy Morrissey and Carson Green, a lot of props for the decor- decorating they've done so far. Yeah, they've done exceptional. All right, how about for yourself? You've got little kids, so what are the holidays like for you? You got any good holiday traditions that you do with your family? Well, the elf on the shelf always visits. He's he's pretty cool and he moves around every every uh every night. He comes He's back a he's lot going. of work to Absolutely. keep up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um we got lights up on the house. You know, we try. We try to do things, but uh you know, it's a little hard with our schedule. Um we're pretty busy here. But uh, you know, hopefully we get to uh, spend Christmas morning and and have that special moment with them. But um, for the most part, it's, you know, bring the spirit of Christmas to the kids and take care of my job. How about for yourself? Best gift that you've ever gotten? I don't know. I, I like the meaningful gifts. Like uh, like uh, my, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, a couple of years back, you know, road games or home games, you go through security, they put a tag on your bag. Sure. Um, and so... Before you could, they you didn't have to take them off, and so I had like fifty something tags. On oh, you just left there. them on your bag. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then they came out with a rule that said you have to have only that week's tag on there. So that was a kind of a sad moment because I was collecting them, and she took all those that I cut off and made like a shadow box with them. Oh wow! And I thought that was really really cool. That is so you get to keep all the you you know which all the stadiums that you've been to. Yeah. You've got the little wristband from yeah. it. All right, one of the first things that I noticed, and I think a lot of people noticed about you when you got here, was that you have a lot of tattoos. You're wearing long sleeves now, but I wanted to ask you, how many total tattoos do you have? I don't know. It's kind of, both my sleeves are done. Um, I have my chest tattooed and what tattoo on my ankles, so. I guess the chest would be like one. Do you count that as one? Is it multiple? Did it take, how many years has this been going on? So I had my chest and my upper left arm done in college, and then after my rookie year, I was like, this is going to be a career. So Career in um, tattoos. I okay. sleeved down my left side. <laughs> and then last year, I didn't play, and that gave me an opportunity to sleeve on my right arm. So Okay, because I, I was going to ask you what your most recent tattoo is. Would it be the right sleeve? Yes. And yeah. these are off-season projects you do? I'm, I'm kind of the impatient person. So I, I'm very bad at coming up with ideas, how I want to express myself. But once it happens and I get it, I'm like, I have to get the tattoo now. Oh, okay. And so it was kind of spur of the moment. Um, I had an idea. I texted my guy, and we collabed, came up with something, and then kind of did it in the next few weeks. So I guess I can't really ask you what the next tattoo is because maybe you're not you're not inspired yet, or do you have an idea of when or what it might be? I know <laughs> I know. I want to work on my legs. I don't know what I want. You don't have any tattoos right now? You don't no, have any tattoos just on, on your my legs? Ankle. Okay. Oh, are we going to go full pant legs? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Sounds really painful. That's, but that's, you've got some time. I mean, while you're playing, you could just start chip away at those. huge commitments. I don't want to rush Huge. Yeah. Literally, you. that's a lot of area to cover. Yeah. Um, all right. 
when we had you on the player show, you told me a story in passing, and I have not stopped thinking about it since. And I thought if I got you back, I was going to ask you about it. You said you were a DJ in college. Were you a music DJ, or you worked no, at a no, radio no. station? Yeah, yeah. I every Tuesday up there for two years during the season, I would go to the local radio station. This and, is when you were with the Seahawks. Right. And they would play music, but in between the songs, like the commercials, would be my time to talk. And it would just be, um, I was just kind of hosting it. I got to interview Post Malone one time. That's what I could not stop thinking about. he was randomly in the studio, and they were, you want to interview him? And I'm like, yes. Was he, did you know who he was? Was he yeah, big this, back then? This was shortly after his White Iverson. Oh, okay. And, and all that. He still had the, the braids and um, the no tattoos, so. Um, it, was, it was pretty cool, but I mainly just hosted the show and hit the button to play music and, you know, I would take a call here and there. So were you by yourself in the radio studio? I mean, I had the guy who actually produced the radio station. Okay. He would kind of But you were the you were the host. Show. You were the talent on the air. I guess so. Did you like doing that? Do you think you'd go do a career in radio? What would you no. think about that? Um, well, it was cool. Like, are you into music? I, I am, but not in that regard. But it was cool to experience that and be in that environment because I feel like it's made me more comfortable in a different way with, like, doing media and interviews and just having to use my voice. Were you nervous before you did that gig? I just didn't know what to do. So you feel like it's helped you in, like, a setting like this. If, You're more comfortable now. If I did it again, I could do it better. Really? Yeah. Any other famous guests that you had back then? No. No. That was the only. One. I wasn't. I was. It wasn't like a guest show. Actually, I had a couple of teammates, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like a show. Yeah. You had guests, and when you did, it would be ask questions, and then we would just kind of jam it into a commercial. Okay. And then music would play, and then you fill in another question. So. Very cool stuff. Okay, so you you said that in passing, and I thought I got to ask him about this again because there was no context. You literally said you interviewed Post Malone, and then you walked out of the room, and I was like. This- <laughs> This is a horrible way to end a story. I have so many follow-up questions. Justin, it's been a pleasure. What, what about for you for the rest of the season? What, what are some things that you want to work on or, or some goals for yourself through this final stretch? Um, well, I want to finish the year healthy. I want to finish the year. Um, it would be great to finish the year with nothing but wins. And so, I mean, obviously that's our goal. And we'll uh, head into each week that way. But come out healthy. Um, keep building these relationships and just keep getting better at football. I think those are great goals. Justin, a pleasure. Best of luck through the rest of the season. Thank you. Appreciate it. He is fantastic. And after the interview, he showed me a picture of himself with Post Malone at the radio station because I was asking him what the radio station was. And so I think our social media people might be posting that somewhere, either on Twitter or Instagram. So look for that because it's a great throwback picture. All right, well, let's switch gears. Let's talk about these Jacksonville Jaguars. They have the same record as the Texans. They've only won two games this year. And, man, what a week they've had. They fired head coach Urban Meyer. And a real talk here, I I interviewed J.P. Shadrick of the Jaguars Radio Network earlier in the week because we actually air this Wednesday nights on Texans All Access. And so when I had interviewed him Urban Meyer was still the head coach, but he had met with Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner, earlier in the week, which didn't really bode well. So I I went ahead and left that question in my interview, even though Urban Meyer is no longer the head coach, because I think it just gave some insight as to what sort of the final conversations were before Shad Khan decided to to finally 
pull the plug and end the Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville. So if you listen to it and you think this is dated, well, yes, because I did interview JP earlier in the week. But I'm going to leave it in for the sake of the podcast. Um, You can sort of listen to sort of how that relationship, where it was earlier in the week, because obviously things change on a dime in the NFL. So uh, take a listen to that. But as far as everything else, the Jaguars, you know, they've had issues of their own throughout the year. They've had some close games. Um, they've run the ball really well, uh, but they've they've not been able to pull out the win. So what are they going to do now? Darren Daryl Bevel is uh, the interim head coach. He is the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Levy Smith, uh, when he was asked about it, he said it's not really going to change much as far as the Texans' defense goes because Bevel was calling the plays. He'll still be calling the plays as an interim head coach. So as far as the matchups and everything else, I think um, it seems like not a whole lot will change. They may get they made a bump from uh, firing their head coach. Who knows? You never know how that goes for teams. Sometimes that injects some energy into the locker room. Sometimes it doesn't. So we'll have to wait till Sunday to see how it all plays out. Hopefully the Texans can pull out another win and keep their streak of, of beating the Jaguars very much alive. So let's get right into it. It's J.P. Shadrick. We go behind enemy sidelines on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Joining me once again, we spoke in week one. Here he is again, J.P., How's it going here in the final stretch of the season? Well, it's going, DP. It's always good to be with you. Two and 11. You guys know the feeling. It's not a good one. The uh, Jags, unfortunately, have had this feeling a lot over the years. Uh, this one's coming with a little more uh, headlines around it and some drama and some bad offense thrown in there as well. So there's a lot going on here. It's going the wrong way right now. And, but, you know, a month to, maybe try to salvage something in, in the form of a winning result. They haven't been able to do that lately, though. Well, the Texans they beat the Jags in week one. So what is the mindset of this Jaguars team as they head into uh, Sunday's matchup at home against the Texans, especially after coming off of a shutout loss against the Titans just the week before? Yeah, step one is just to move the ball efficiently and then somehow score points. They were shut out for the first time since 2009 last week in Tennessee, and they were held under 200 yards total in the game for the third time this season and now in back-to-back weeks. So the offense just feels worse than it's been all year. Offensive line is having some pass protection issues, at least they did last week, certainly on the interior. The guard play was not ideal against the Titans' defensive line. And then the, the receivers on the outside have had issues throughout the season consistently finding a way to get open, especially down the field. And then the running game, they got away from it. They only ran the ball eight times, seven of those by running backs for a total of eight yards last week. And it was a 10 nothing game a lot of the way. They just got away from it a little early, and it's the lowest production in the rushing game in the history of the franchise last week. So they've got to figure it out. They're at their best when James Robinson is fully healthy. They give him the football and then give Trevor Lawrence that security blanket at least to fall back on. But it's just felt like lately they haven't really been able to figure out an attack in the running game, whether it's bringing a guy off or they fumble the ball some. They've got to get that figured out if this offense is going to improve, I think, down the final month. Well, a lot to unpack there, JP. Let's start with Trevor Lawrence. He threw four interceptions uh, and threw the ball a ton against the Titans. But it seems like he had a stretch of games in October where he showed progress. What have you seen from him over the course of the season since we faced him in week one? 
Yeah, he was he was really good, actually. Um, you know, he had ratings above 90 and was doing all that. And then, like we said, the running game changed when James Robinson got hurt. And that was in Seattle not long after the week seven bye week. That's when this offense just started to go down a little bit because it was more on Trevor's shoulders. And as we said, they've had some wide receiver uh, issues trying to get open consistently. And as it's gone, I mean, you know, he's trying to protect the football and he does do some things very well. Uh, this past week, though, there were a couple balls that you couldn't claim are not his fault. LaVisca Chenault dropped one and it was tipped up in the air and intercepted. Another one, similar situation, but two times, and he said it in the post-game press conference last week, you know, it just made bad decisions or the linebacker jumped back and made a good play on it. Um, but, it, you know, the four-interception day, that's the reason why. I mean, they were they were trying to fight back in that game. They gotten away from the run, and it, it turned out to be a, a tough day at the office. I think there's still a lot of uh, hope and optimism around Trevor Lawrence. The statistics have not shown it lately. But if you ask the guys in the locker room, they still believe in what he can do and what he has done on the practice field and, and is a, has the ability to do in games and leadership in the huddle and on the sideline and everything. So uh, make no mistake, he is the franchise guy. He's going to be here. His face is plastered all over town. Uh, it's just a rough little patch now, I think, in the second half of the season for him. You mentioned James Robinson in the run game, and, and the run game is so perplexing for the Jaguars because when you look at their numbers, they've, they're averaging over 100 yards per game. They had 198 yards rushing against Tennessee the first time they played them, and then uh, just the eight yards, like you mentioned, on Sunday total for the team um, uh, in, in the run games. It's the same backs. James Robinson is back in the game. How do they get him the ball more and, and get that run game off off to where it was just a few months ago? Well, as Tony Vaselli said on a show earlier this week, uh, if you're going to be dedicated to the run, you've just got to be dedicated to the run. Even if you're down 10, nothing, uh, you might get two yards, three yards, six yards, two yards, but you have to just maintain it and do it. And they just haven't done that. Uh, honestly, in the, in the play calling, they just haven't handed the ball off to him. Now it all started when he had that heel and knee issue in Seattle. He hasn't really been 100% since then. Then there was the fumbling issue a couple of weeks ago. He had fumbles in back-to-back games. There was the question, did you know? Did you bench him for 16 plays in the Rams game? And then the next week, he fumbled the ball early, second play of the game, and didn't play for the next 20 plays. It was into the third quarter before he got a touch again. You know, the question for Urban Meyer was, did you, did you sit him down? Was it injury-related? There were some different answers early in the week on that. Uh, and it turned out, you know, later to find out that, yeah, you know, they did kind of bench him. And so, you know, got to hang on to the football. Because of the practice issues with the injury surrounding it, not being able to be on the field a lot. He's off on Thursdays now trying to get right. Urban said, hey, we haven't been able to practice a lot of that, holding on to the football, gripping it properly and all that. So there's a, there's a move back to some of the fundamentals behind that. We'll see if it works out down the stretch. But at the end of the day, if they're going to run the ball, you got to run the ball. And they haven't really done that a lot just in the, in the calling of the place. All right, what about this defense? Just six takeaways for this year, five interceptions, one fumble, their last in the league. Why the lack of turnovers and takeaways? And has that been their biggest issue this year? Yeah, but I think that's the one thing they obviously wish they would have had more of is, is takeaways. They haven't, they've had some opportunities, especially early in the season with the ball in their hands, dropped interceptions, things like that. Shaq Griffin had two or three that I can think of off the top of my head and, and, you know, earlier in the season. 
But as, as a whole, the defense, I think, has improved as the season has gone along. Last week was their second best yardage day allowed all season. I mean, they, you know, not that Tennessee is, you know, throwing it all over the yard or anything, but hey, considering what's going on right now, to give this team an opportunity in a game like that was a big deal. So, you know, they had made some adjustments in their coverage early, from earlier in the season, moved to a lot of zone. They were playing man early in the season more. They switched that. And since that switch, things have improved. Um, Joe Cullen has settled in now, I think, as a defensive coordinator for the first time in the NFL. He's been in the league forever, but it's his first year calling defensive plays. They have an identity. They're going to play well against the run. That's the idea, at least. And they're going to bring heat. They're going to blitz you. And they're not just going to sit back there and rush forward. They're going to bring different blitz packages. And they may not execute all the time, but, hey, they're going to, they know, you know what they are. And there are some individual guys that have improved as the, season goes, as, as the season has gone along. And then last week, you know, Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions. On those sudden change situations, the Jags defense allowed a total of 21 yards and only a field goal to keep the game somewhat within reach. If there was any offensive production at all, Jags are right back in the game. That's a big part of it in the second half. So uh, that's been a bright spot, I think, relative to what we're talking about, a bright spot for the Jaguars, the defensive play. As the year has gone on, you, you know what they are, at least. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, there obviously are bright spots, but sometimes hard to see amidst a 2-11 season. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Urban Meyer. It's been tough for him both on and off the field. And I saw that the Jags owner, Shad Khan, met with him earlier this week. What can you tell us about that meeting and, and why it took place when it did? Well, there was those reports last weekend that came out, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network and NFL Media, of tension from the coaching staff and the players and the assistant coaches. And, well, yeah, I mean, they're 2-11, and 11, I, you know, 2-10 and 10 at that point. So there's certainly tension. And um, they're just trying to work through it. I think Shad Khan is he – see, he sees the headlines, too, throughout the season and the offseason and, and now into the regular season that has happened that aren't football-related. There's a lot of those that have happened so far this year. And Mr. Khan is a patient owner. you got to remember he gave Gus Bradley four years around here as the head coach. Doug Marone got four years as the head coach here. They didn't win a lot of games, really, with either one, with the exception of the one – AFC championship game run back in 2017 under Marone. But at, in those points, okay, they were playing well. They had rebuilt the roster. It was kind of the, as he said this week, Mr. Khan, the lowly Jags, nobody's dealing with you. Okay. Well, now it's the Jags aren't playing well, and there's all this off-the-field headline drama that goes with it. The balance of that, um, we'll see in the next few weeks, you know, if Mr. Khan has a decision to make, if he wants to, if he's going to ride it out and give it a, a shot, do they believe that this can be built properly? There's still at least belief from Urban Meyer that that can happen. So th that was a conversation. And I think the conversations are ongoing. It's not the only time they've talked this year. They talk a good bit, but uh, considering all the headlines lately, it's of note. All right. Good stuff. JP Shadrick, as always, final matchup between the Jaguars and the Texans on Sunday, looking very much forward to it, JP. Thanks so much for the time. Always, DP. Thank you. The Texans have beat the Jaguars seven consecutive times. The last time that the Tech that the Jaguars won was actually December 17th, 2017. And they swept the Texans in 2017. So they uh 
They they won both times, and they haven't won since. So the Texans have swept in 18, 19, 20, and they hope to do it again here in 2021 in their final match with the Jaguars of the regular season. So we'll see how it all plays out Sunday. Noon kick from TIA Bank Stadium, and you can catch it on CBS. You can also catch it on Sports Radio 610. You can also catch the pregame show uh, with myself and Drew Doherty, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. Just download the Texans social media or Texans mobile app or follow us on social media, and you can get alerts from when we go live. It's usually about an hour before kickoff. So we'll bring you the latest, um, any new uh, players that pop up on the COVID list or any injury updates. We've got it all for you. It's all on Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. Hope you can join us. But thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. And as always, go Texans.